When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Let's say Putin succeeds and takes over all of Ukraine. Then we're looking at a new line in Europe that wasn't there before. These things start to get really scary really quickly when you talk about NATO defense obligations. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. The Biden administration could drop the hammer. Full blocking sanctions against major Russian state banks. Putin understands one thing. Put the sanctions down. Make it clear who's in charge. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The U.S. gets personal with sanctions aimed now at Putin. President Biden introduces his Supreme Court nominee and the CDC backs off the mask mandate. We've got a three-ring circus. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics. As we distill another day of breaking news here in the nation's capital, of course, Ukraine as well, and we'll be joined in a moment by Representative Chrissy Houlihan, Democrat from Pennsylvania, member of the House Armed Services Committee with the latest on this now war in Europe. Later, we'll talk about the president's pick for the court, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. With California Congressman Ted Lieu, he serves on the House Judiciary Committee, bringing a unique perspective to all of this. And we have the signature panel on a Friday. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us. The Biden administration adds another layer to the sanctions against Russia this time aimed directly at Vladimir Putin himself. We've talked about this idea of personal sanctions. Well, here's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Following a a telephone conversation President Biden held with uh, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, and in alignment with the decision by our European allies, the United States will join them in sanctioning President Putin and Foreign Minister Lavrov and members of the Russian National Security Team. All right. The question is, can they find the money? And as I read on the terminal, it is a largely symbolic step as a result of not knowing exactly where it all is. With few official assets there for Vladimir Putin, even though he is known to be one of the richest people in the world. All the while, NATO is deploying thousands of land, air and sea troops from its rapid response force for the first time here in defense of our NATO allies in Eastern Europe. NATO Secretary General We are facing a new normal in European security, where Russia openly contests the European security order and uses force to pursue its objectives. Stoltenberg went on to describe what he believes Vladimir Putin is actually trying to do. Uh, We see, of course, that they're moving towards uh, Kiev. Uh, We also see uh, the rhetoric, uh, the messages, uh, which is strongly indicating that the aim is to 
um, change government, to change uh, and remove um, the democratically elected government in Kiev. Now, Ukraine's government says it's discussing with Russia the timing and location of potential peace talks. Some are taking this with a grain of salt. The diplomatic to and fro, as I read on Bloomberg, comes as fighting continues on the ground with the sanctions being announced today. This is where we start with Representative Chrissy Houlihan, a Democrat from Pennsylvania who serves on the Armed Services Foreign Affairs Committee, also a veteran of the U.S. Air Force. Congresswoman, it's great to have you with us here. Do you expect that Kiev will fall this weekend? Hi, and thank you so much for having me. Uh, I don't know that I can necessarily predict something uh, as grave as that. I certainly have my heart and hopes with the people of Ukraine, and I know them to be a, a fierce uh, and proud uh, people. So I'm certainly praying and hoping for them uh, and hoping that that is not, in fact, the case. I know, however, that it is the intent, certainly, of President Putin mm-hmm. to uh, capture Kiev. What do you make uh, of the, the most recent round of sanctions trying to go after Vladimir Putin without necessarily knowing, Congresswoman, where his money is? So, you know, I think that they are as strong and as uh, aggressive as we are capable of doing, uh, and they are not only uh, being levered or levied uh, here from the United States, but also from around the world, from Japan and Australia, from New Zealand, uh, from the EU and uh, our NATO allies. And so, you know, I, I listened in on a briefing yesterday where Secretary Yellen was speaking that uh, about 80 percent of all money that's going in and out of, of Russia will be targeted. Uh, so I hope that that will certainly include the money of uh, people like Putin and, and his uh, cronies. What else did you learn in that briefing? There's been so much talk about sanctions without knowing exactly how long it will take uh, for them to have an effect or just exactly how far we should go or when. I don't need to tell you about some of the the different opinions on all of this, which resulted in in no agreement in Congress when it came to sanctions. But what are you hearing about the timeline here and how long we should wait to know if they're working? Uh, and you're not incorrect to say that there's some there's some uh, discord or difference in opinion. That being said, the discord and difference in opinion was largely about when to levy these sanctions and not how. Yes. Uh, and and I think we've kind of gotten beyond that, frankly, as Putin has crossed the border and has crossed the line uh, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in terms of how long it will take them to take effect, I think that there is also a difference of opinion there. I, I believe that the president, President Biden, was uh, quoted as saying that, you know, talk to me in the next few weeks yes. uh, to a month. He said a month uh, or so, which surprised me because I, I felt like we might have a shorter leash than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was I was also uh, somewhat surprised by that, but that he also did speak or his, his administration spoke to a bipartisan group of us uh, on, on a line yesterday about this issue and did caution that it might take some time for this to have bite. But that the intent of a lot of this, not just um, the sanctions on banking, but also on things like chips uh, mm-hmm. as well, were to try and make sure that we were effectively grounding a lot of the technologies that the, that the Russians had to be able to fight as well. And so, as you can probably appreciate, that itself could take some time. I know, Congresswoman, you were in Ukraine recently. What did you learn when you were there? 
As I mentioned, I learned that the uh, Ukrainian people are united and resilient and and defiant. And uh, for that, I am deeply uh, impressed and appreciative. I also learned I had the opportunity before landing in Ukraine to be uh, in Brussels uh, with the bipartisan delegation that I was with. And I learned that the EU and NATO are also similarly uh, resilient and uh, and united in their um, defense of making sure that we're protecting this really fragile democracy. That's very much the tip of the spear uh, of the continent of the of Europe and as well the stability and uh, world order of the rest of the uh, uh, globe as well. Yeah, a lot of people have been taken uh, by these messages, uh, which are very personal and passionate from the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky. Uh, his life is at risk. He says his family is being targeted. Now we're seeing images of him being shared on social media, wearing fatigues, walking through trenches. Should the U.S. evacuate him and his family? I think what I what I le- I had the opportunity to meet Mr. Zelensky in person, and what I left with, as from a personal impression, was that he very much is in it uh, uh, to stay. And that this is not somebody who's going to ask to, you know, be evacuated from the scene. I, I believe he him to be uh, the captain of the ship, uh, and that is not certainly what the captain of the t- ship would t- typically do. So, I don't know, you know, what what the future will hold, but that's definitely not the impression I was left with. He also and his um, administration asked at no point in time for anything other than financial and military support and humanitarian support. At no point in time did they ask for American boots on the ground. I want to ask you as an Air Force veteran and, of course, a member of armed services here about uh, the actual conflict that's happening there. Uh, I know that Russia has air superiority already. That didn't take too long. But but Ukraine has an Air Force. And from what I understand, some very talented pilots and a lot of very dedicated people. Uh, Can Ukraine stand up to Russia in the air? So this is kind of a conversation not just about air, uh, air, but also about ground and just about, as I mentioned, resilience. Yeah. I think that the, the play for the Ukrainian people is to outlast uh, Russians and, and make it impalatable, unpalatable for uh, Putin, because it's going to be increasingly more and more difficult for him to explain to his own people why uh, body bags are coming back to his mm-hmm. to his nation. And so I, I hope that we have uh, permitted them, given them, and I know a lot of our allies have as well, lots of um, options and opportunities in terms of ground defenses and air defenses. And I hope that they are able to hold back the Russian incursion such that we can end up with Putin having to think twice or, or potentially rethink his choices. Well, he's going to be facing an insurgency at some point. I think you're talking about the Ukrainian military. But when we think about neighbors and family members taking up arms, as we heard today, as a recommendation from the government to to start preparing Molotov cocktails, Congresswoman, where does that tell you about where we're going? Uh, you know, I can tell you that I, as I, you mentioned, I was in Ukraine just a few weeks ago, uh, and uh, at various points in time, I was able to speak to regular, everyday human beings on the street and in restaurants yeah. and in bars and those kinds of things. They were to a person willing to take up arms. They were to a person, whether Russian speaking or Ukrainian speaking. They were Ukrainian first and foremost, and they are very much uh, all in in defense of their nation. Russia does not have a great history dealing with insurgencies. No. Uh, in fact, I don't, you know, as by way of background for me, uh, from my own personal experience, my father was born in uh, what is now Ukraine, what is Lviv, the city of Lviv. And my dad always raised me about that part of the world, that it's just a part of the world that continues to be trounced over generation after generation by yeah. various autocrats and dictators. 
Uh, and the people who are there are, as I mentioned, enormously resilient and, and unfortunately quite used to uh, that kind of uh, tra- tracing and trouncing across their land and across their so- uh, sovereignty. Well, so in our moment left, uh, Congresswoman, what would be your message then to our allies in Eastern Europe? If I were in Poland right now, I'd be pretty nervous. I think that they should feel rest uh, and secure in knowing that uh, we stand strong behind our NATO allies. I think if there's one thing that we've been clear on as an, an American people and as an administration and as a bipartisan House and Senate is that we stand uh, very strong with our NATO allies. Representative Chrissy Houlihan, Democrat from Pennsylvania, we thank you for the time and the insights today on Bloomberg Sound On, the voice of not only a member of the Armed Services and Foreign Affairs Committees today, but a U.S. Air Force veteran to get us off the ground here on our Friday edition of Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. You know we assemble the panel next. We've got Rick and Jeannie with us, Bloomberg Politics contributors for the hour. We'll check markets and traffic on the way. Stay with us on Sound On. This is Bloomberg. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. I'm not going to get into the specifics. That from White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki when pressed a short time ago in the briefing room for details on sanctions, personal sanctions against Vladimir Putin. Because I bet the specifics are fascinating, not knowing at least we don't know where Vladimir Putin has stashed all his cash. Who are the oligarchs hiding it from him? What's been invested? Where's the rest being hidden? They say he is one of the richest people in the world, as I mentioned. Just don't know where it all is. Let's assemble the panel here. I want to talk about sanctions, the latest in Ukraine, because we've had a lot of news over the past 24 hours since we last spoke. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us. Rick, I'm going to start with you because it's been a couple of days, and this is something that you had been calling for before any sanctions were layered, going directly for Vladimir Putin. The terminal says this is largely symbolic. Can the administration make it work? 
You know, I think it already is working, right? Making Vladimir Putin the issue is part of the reason that they're applying these sanctions to him personally. It's very unusual. Typically, countries don't like to go after heads of state. Uh, and, and I get that. I think that's actually really appropriate. In this case, he's the one who has created the problem that only he can fix. And so putting as much heat on him personally, I think, is great. And, and whether you ever get a dime out of him, it has hurt his international prestige, something he has coveted, something he's demanded, and now he's not going to get it. Jeannie, Vladimir Putin's annual income is about 10 million rubles. That's 120 grand. He makes $120,000 a year officially as the president of Russia. He owns three cars, has an apartment, according to his latest financial disclosure. So where's the rest? <laughs> I have a bridge to sell you if you believe yeah. that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, you know, I think that's the question, as you mentioned. Um, it's going to be a challenge to figure out where it all is. Um, this is largely a symbolic step. Um, there's reasons why people have equated this to things like rescinding the gas tax, because <laughs> these are efforts that don't necessarily yield uh, what we would hope they would yield, which would be a change of behavior or pain in this case. Um, you know, and we see the, the White House following the EU and, and the UK in this, I would also like to see the US uh, and the UK and our partners do a better job. I mean, we see the carve out for luxury goods. We see the carve out for energy and oil. If this yeah. is really in our national interest, we can do a stronger job on these sanctions. And the president has said it, we may see more going forward. So yeah. we can wait for that. To me, this is more symbolic than anything else. And I'm not so sure it's going to have any impact. There was a great piece about how they have prepared themselves for these sanctions. So we better believe that Putin prepared himself and his family personally. Sure. And and I'm sure has been preparing for years for this. Rick, what do you make of the rest of it? Uh, yesterday, President Biden said the sanctions that have been issued are stronger than, more impactful than throwing Russia out of the SWIFT financial system, as some have been calling for, though some doubt how much of an impact that would have as well. Has the U.S. done what it needs to do, or do we need more layers? You know, look, I think these are layers, as you point out. Uh, they started out with uh, sanctions on just a few of the smaller banks and, uh, and individuals, and then they moved to the bigger banks. Uh, look, these bank sanctions are important, right? They will, they will start to erode the vibrancy, if there was any, of the Russian economy. And that is really important over time. I think you got to look at these sanctions not in the short run, but in what is this going to do to the country over the next 30, 60 days, because mm -hmm. that is when this war will play out. Russia is in it for the long haul, and the more pain that can be applied to their domestic economy, uh, more pressure can be put on later when it comes to things like politics and things like that internally in Russia. Mm -hmm. But I think this layer is a good first effort. Should they sanction the central bank of Russia, Jeannie? I think they should. You know, the, the difficult part about these sanctions is, is just what Rick was talking about. They take a long time. The, yeah. the president was talking about a month or more. Right. And the pain is felt. You know, it's not going to be Vladimir Putin. It's going to be the civilians on the ground. That's been the history of sanctions right along. That's how it will be. That is a sad reality. And I think that's why so many of us feel like we're in disbelief and sort of astonished by what's happened in the last 48 hours, yeah. even though the, the we were told it was going to happen. Because, you know, to see this happening in Europe, it's the civilians on the ground who will feel this. Yes, they need to sanction the central bank. They need to go hard on these things. But there will be widespread pain in Russia as a result. Rick Davis, give us your take uh, on what's happening on the ground. We've been seeing, as I discussed with uh, Congresswoman Houlihan, some remarkable videos from President Zelensky. He says he's staying. He and his family have been targeted. He's walking around with fatigues now and interacting with 
the military, all of this on what could be, Rick, the eve of the fall of Kiev. Is that what you see happening next, the capital? You know, look, I mean, it's obviously what the Russians want to do, right, is take over the seat of power. And uh, and that has to be their top priority. Uh, as uh, Congresswoman Houlihan put, uh, I think we have to start thinking about secession, succession of the government, right? The, yeah. It is very important that they last, whether they last in Kiev or whether they are lasting somewhere else. It's more important that they succeed because this will be a longer haul just because the zip codes around Kiev will be in the Russian uh, control. It does not mean that the government will be in Russian control. We will recognize the true government of Russia, regardless of where they are around the country. If they are, if they are uh, meeting a bad fate, that makes it much more complex for the Western nations to apply pressure on Russia. Jeannie, should we evacuate Zelensky? Uh, we should help in every way they can to set up a government in exile if they need to. Yeah. It was very chilling when he said to the EU leaders, this may be the last time you see me alive. Oh God, a very chilling moment. And, of course, Putin's statements to the Ukrainian troops as well. Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano with us on the Friday edition of Sound On. They'll be back. We'll reassemble the panel after we tackle the other big headline of the day. Of course, that's the SCOTUS pick. Itaji Brown-Jackson is the one. We'll bring you back to the White House for more on that. Talk to Congressman Ted Lieu next. This is Bloomberg. Did you know it was exactly two years ago today? Did you hear this? It was exactly two years ago today, this 25th of February, that Joe Biden, then candidate Joe Biden, back when we used to call him vice president, made a promise on the debate stage in South Carolina. Everyone should be represented. Everyone, no one's better than me, and I'm no better than anyone else. The fact is, what we should be doing, we talked about the Supreme Court. I'm looking forward to making sure there's a black woman on the Supreme Court to make sure we, in fact, get every representation. Not a joke. Yep. Not a joke. That was the moment. I pushed very hard for that. It helped him win the states, which put his campaign on track to win the election. Fast forward two years. It's my honor to introduce to the country a daughter of former public school teachers, a proven consensus builder, an accomplished lawyer, a distinguished jurist, one of the nation's most on one of the nation's most prestigious courts. My nominee for the United States Supreme Court is Judge Katanji Jackson. Indeed. President Biden, along with Vice President Kamala Harris, at the White House, joined by Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, who spent some time on the podium as well. If I'm fortunate enough to be confirmed as the next Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, I can only hope that my life and career, my love of this country and the Constitution, and my commitment to upholding the rule of law and the sacred principles upon which this great nation was founded will inspire future generations of Americans. Having been confirmed to the appeals court here in Washington, D.C., on a bipartisan vote, three Republicans, Collins, Murkowski, and Graham, yes, Lindsey Graham, already voted to confirm her. Doesn't look like he will this time. Let's talk about it all with Congressman Ted Lieu, Democrat from California's 33rd District, also a member of the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman, welcome back to Bloomberg. Thank you for having me. Is it important to have some Republicans vote in favor of this 
Supreme Court nominee. Does bipartisanship matter, or is it simply about getting a confirmation? Uh, thank you for your question. And let me first say that Judge Brown Jackson was a great district court judge. She is a great circuit court judge, and she will be a great Supreme Court justice. I expect she will get bipartisan support because she, in fact, has gotten bipartisan support for three confirmations already before the U.S. Senate. Well, we saw Republicans boycott the president's nominees for the Federal Reserve recently, and I wonder, as a member of the House Judiciary Committee, if that's something you worry about. Do you have a sense if that might happen in the Senate? I don't believe they'll boycott this nomination because Judge Brown Jackson is an exceptional jurist. She's written over 550 solid opinions. She came from a middle-class background. Both her parents were public school teachers, and she is someone that can get bipartisan support, and I don't think there will be a boycott of her nomination. Did you have uh, a horse in this race? There was obviously a nominee on the short list from California. Uh, there were many exceptional candidates, and that really points out uh, the lie that some Republicans have put out there, that somehow uh, there wasn't going to be an exceptional uh, jurist who happened to be a female African-American. And what the Biden administration showed is there are many uh, who uh, could have taken this spot. And I'm just very pleased that President Biden nominated Judge Brown Jackson. Did you go out of your way to, to reach out to the administration about Leandra Kruger by any chance? Um, I think it's, uh, well, the answer is no, I did not. Just curious. I saw the tweet from Lindsey Graham this morning, Congressman. He says, this means the radical left has won President Biden over again. The Harvard-Yale train to the Supreme Court continues to run unabated. I note that because he voted for her already in confirmation. What do you make of this reaction? I find it curious that Senator Graham is aligning himself with the radical left, but that's what his tweet implies, and I'm uh, not one to really understand sometimes how Republican senators think. Give us a sense, then, of how this process is going to go, Congressman. Obviously, we have a series of introductions uh, that are about to take place. Then what? The U.S. senators will review Judge Brown Jackson's record. Uh, they're going to see uh, that she is exceptionally well qualified, and she's going to meet uh, with some individual senators. That's my expectation. There will be um, hearing before the Judiciary Committee. You're going to see lots of folks give opinions, but I expect that she will get confirmed and she will get a bipartisan vote, both in the Judiciary Committee as well as on the Senate floor. The conventional wisdom, Congressman, has been that she's already been vetted, she's already been confirmed as a federal judge, and that should speed things up. Is that true? You're absolutely right. So she was already vetted when she was confirmed as a district court judge. She was vetted again when she was confirmed as a circuit court judge. So if anything had been in her background that somehow would have derailed her nomination, it would have already come up. So they're not going to find anything else. Mm -hmm. And since then, she's authored additional opinions. They've all been solid. And I expect her nomination to go smoothly and to get bipartisan support because she's gotten bipartisan support in the past. You think the president should make a point to talk about this on Tuesday night in the State of the Union? And should she be in the chamber? I believe he will talk about this nomination. As to who is in the chamber, I don't actually know how that works or who decides that. Yeah, well, I just worry if you're concerned about the politicization, the possible, the potential for politicizing a SCOTUS pick like this on what's the you know the Super Bowl of politics. 
the State of the Union is an official speech by the President of the United States uh, to Congress and to the American people. Uh, so I think it's completely appropriate for him to talk about the Supreme Court and who he has nominated. So I don't think it's politicization. I think it's just part of his official duty. Congressman, why is representation important in this case? President Biden spoke about diversity in background, but also diversity in ideas and experience. What does that mean to you? So Judge Brown Jackson will be the only Supreme Court justice, if she is confirmed, who has both circuit court experience and trial court experience as a federal district judge. Uh, In addition, she's also been a federal public defender. Uh, She has uh, worked also uh, on the U.S. Sentencing Commission. Uh, She has a very diverse background, and she can provide a lot of insight to Supreme Court opinions, and she'll be a great addition to the Supreme Court. Congressman Ted Liu, we thank you for being with us today on Bloomberg. Thank you. We bring in now Bloomberg Law host June Grasso, who is with us from Bloomberg World Headquarters. June, it's great to have you. Last time we talked was just the day or day after Stephen Breyer announced his retirement. And we were already talking about this name. Katanji Brown-Jackson has been at the top of a very short list for this entire process. So I'm assuming that you're not surprised. What's going to happen with her in confirmation? Well, I think that she will be, obviously she will be confirmed. The question is whether or not she'll get some Republican votes. And though she did get three Republican votes when she was up for D.C. Circuit Court judge, it's a... You know, Supreme Court nominations are a totally different thing, and that's why you know you see Lindsey Graham's tweets. He voted for her, but now he's has things to say against her or right. against the idea she just of sh- having sore her. about Michelle Childs. <laughs> you know, if if Joe Biden had chosen Michelle Childs, I think he would have been open to criticism that he was bowing to politics in this instead of doing what he said he would do, which would be, you know, consider all the factors and pick the best candidate. This uh, this judge is a phenomenal candidate. She's a star in every way. And I don't think he could go wrong with this selection. It's not lost on this president either that she actually clerked for Breyer. And here's what Judge Jackson said about that today. Justice Breyer, in particular, not only gave me the greatest job that any young lawyer could ever hope to have, but he also exemplified every day in every way that a Supreme Court justice can perform at the highest level of skill and integrity while also being guided by civility, grace, pragmatism, and generosity of spirit. Justice Breyer, the members of the Senate will decide if I fill your seat, but please know that I could never fill your shoes. It's a pretty good line, I have to admit. When you consider that experience, June, what does it tell you about her as a potential Supreme Court justice? Well, Justice Breyer actually said about her when she was nominated to the D.C. Circuit that she was brilliant. She had a mix of common sense and thoughtfulness. So I think also, and and I just, I've heard that she really clicked with President Biden when he interviewed her. And I think you can see her personality come out in that statement and also in some of the other statements that she made. She was, it was very inspiring when she talked about uh, Judge Constance Baker Motley, who is civil rights icon, and how right. she wanted to inspire 
generations to come the way she'd been inspired by the judge. So I think it shows that, you know, she she has a good sense about her. She's very personable and she says the right thing at the right time. As we look at her experience, uh, June, the, the, the time that she spent as a public defender, the U.S. Sentencing Commission, that would be a first, is a first, for any SCOTUS uh, justice, assuming that, that she is confirmed. When you add that to this very broad uh, resume, private law, appeals court, clerkships, the public defender, how do you connect the dots with this experience to get a sense of what kind of a nominee and what kind of a possible justice she would be? Well, we've seen what kind of a nominee she was when she was basically sailed through her confirmation hearings. I mean, the Republicans had didn't really have a narrative, a coherent narrative against her. You, they had some wonky questions about sentencing. Uh, they also, you know, quizzed her on her representation of a terrorism detainee at Guantanamo when she was a public defender. So I think she has it all. She has the Ivy League credentials. She has the professional background. She's going to give a voice on that court to people who haven't been heard from before, and that is the indigent defendants that she represented. The last Supreme Court justice with any significant experience representing criminal defendants was the legendary civil rights lawyer, Justice Thurgood Marshall. So she brings that to the court. She brings another dimension. She brings a voice as a black woman. I think that all that's going to come out when we listen to her confirmation hearings, because, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't most people didn't hear what she said in the original hearings. And you really rev up for the confirmation hearings with the yeah. Supreme Court. So it'll be interesting to see whether the Republicans have anything to sort of lay a glove on her. Well, so let's just finish it there. I want to get your reaction, June, to this uh, statement from Lindsey Graham. He tweeted it out before this was even uh, uh, announced by the president today. He, he wrote, it means the radical left has won President Biden over yet again. But he also said the Harvard-Yale train of the Supreme Court continues to run unabated. That would suggest that Ketanji Brown-Jackson is some sort of elitist from Cambridge. But you know she's not. She's not. And everybody who goes to Harvard, I went to Harvard. Everybody who goes to Harvard Law is not an elitist. So you're part of the problem, June. Yes, I'm part of the problem. But, you know, there has been some movement to steer away from just Ivy League credentials. And Justice Amy Coney Barrett went to Notre Dame Law School. These are wonderful law schools, but it just seems that, you know, you get a lot more attention when you have those Ivy League credentials. But also, she's gotten attention in her life for the many things she's done. She's been a really a stellar judge, I think, as a district court judge. I mean, we haven't seen that much of her. She's been less than a year on the D.C. Circuit Court. But she was an excellent judge, and um, she's written some great opinions. And I think that they're going to have a hard time, even with the Don McGahn opinion, which, you know, she wrote, famously said that, presidents are not kings. But even that opinion, which said that McGahn had to appear before the the House Congressional Committee, even that was limited. It left options as to he has to come and, and testify, but he doesn't have to answer questions under certain circumstances, so he could raise certain issues there. So even yep. that was limited. So I think they're going to have a hard time attacking her on her opinions. And, you know, her background is is stellar. Now, of course, something can always come out of the woodwork. I mean, look what happened with 
I don't think I don't anticipate this. I don't even want to say it. But you know, things do come out of the woodwork the last minute. Sure. But it seems unlikely that it will in this instance. And I think she's going to have some really what we'll see as boring confirmation hearings because <laughs> there won't be that much controversy. Yeah. So you and I will be saying, hmm. That wasn't so exciting today. <laughs> well, bring it on. We could use some boring in Washington right about now, June. Right. You should know, if you listen to this broadcast, that we have one of the smartest legal analysts on the radio anywhere with June Grasso. You can listen to Bloomberg Law nightly at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. June, great always Thank to you spend some so time much. with you. Thanks for the analysis. Okay. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Headline on the terminal, Democrats plotting quick path to Jackson's confirmation to court. But will it be quick? Let's bring him in. The panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. What's your take on this, Jeannie? Is this already done because Democrats can feasibly do this on their own, assuming Joe Manchin's in a good mood? Or is this going to be a bruiser in which the White House needs to peel off a couple of Republicans here to make it work? Uh, you know, I think she gets through. I, I, you know, I would just say she is an exceptional candidate, as June and you were just talking about. I listened to her uh, introduction by President Biden and her remarks, and I have to say it made me a bit emotional. She's not just the first black woman. This will be the first time we have four women on the U.S. Supreme Court in history, and she is an exceptional candidate, and she brings so much diversity, not just race, in so many ways. I am not sure how or why the Republicans would try to stall this. I don't see Joe Manchin putting up any resistance at this point. And I do think she brings, you know, at least a couple of, you know, Republicans along, whether it's Murkowski or Collins or otherwise. And the bottom line is, politically, she will not change the makeup of the court. But again, a, an extraordinary judge and an extraordinary candidate for this position. I mean, you, you couldn't find anybody with more stellar credentials. It would certainly be historic, Rick. Will it be bipartisan? You know, it, it is historic, and uh, and I think it has some chance of being bipartisan. I mean, we we, we know, for instance, that uh, three three Republicans supported her for the uh, D.C. Circuit. We we know one Lindsey Graham's already out there, sort of campaigning against it. <laughs> yeah. But look, I think it's irrelevant. Uh, we're going to get past this moment. She's going to get confirmed, uh, and 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 we will have our very first um, uh, uh, Supreme Court. Uh, uh, justice, uh, uh, who's a, a woman of color, and I think a woman, a black woman, and that is something that everybody should feel some sense of uh, progress and pride in our country's uh, efforts to try and create more of a uh, uh, colorblind society. Is Lindsey Graham just 
having fun on Twitter here, or is he upset that it wasn't Michelle Childs? How do you change your tune like that? You know, look, I mean, he wanted Michelle Childs. He made that perfectly clear to everybody. Uh, but, uh, you know, Supreme Court justices are always a political punching bag. And I think it's certainly at home good politics for him to say, hey, look, it, it wasn't my pick. It wasn't our home stater. And so I'm going to take a shot. Uh, I'm sure mm -hmm. people in South Carolina are disappointed, uh, uh, some Republicans and Democrats, right? And so uh, I think he's just playing into the moment. And that moment has already passed. The fact that we're even giving him this much attention is <laughs> probably not worth the effort. Mitch McConnell spoke about it today. Jeannie said that uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson is, quote, the favored choice of far-left dark money groups, unquote. What the heck does that mean? I think it means that he is he, he wants to be majority leader of the Senate after the election in the fall, and he is trying to do everything he can to get there, you know. But I, I, I have to say that Michelle Childs, she is an impressive woman as well. She will have her shot at being nominated to the Supreme Court. A nomination from the district court is extremely unusual. Even in this case, Katanji Brown-Jackson is just 51. She'll be the second youngest on the court. If she served as long as Breyer, she could be there for three decades. So we are talking about an enormous impact she could have in the court. And and again, Michelle Childs, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham's favorite uh, mm -hmm. pick there, she could have her shot as well, well depending right. on what happens. Does, uh, does the senator from New Mexico need to be back, Jeannie, to make this happen? We understand that uh, Senator Lujan will be back in time. You know, it would be very good if he was back in time, I have to say. God forbid when you're at 50-50, you know, one person being ill, being out with COVID, it can really disrupt this thing. So, you know, and obviously we want him to be back and healthy in Washington as well. Rick, you spent uh, enough time in the Senate to know how these things go. The introductions that will follow when they go into the, the, the lawmaker's office, they sit down with a senator, knowing that this senator does not like them. Does it change anything? Does the interview process change any minds? Now, uh, the interview process sometimes does have an impact because uh, there are senators who are open-minded and kind of want to test the waters. Uh, this isn't a process that's just rigged from the start. Uh, and I think that she will have an opportunity, what, like what she did with the president, to show her mettle and, yeah. and connect with some of these folks. And that is likely where she might pile up a couple of three or four uh, potential Republican votes. Uh, uh, I do think all this stuff about Harvard, though, is a little overbaked because uh, <laughs> I, and I used to use it all the time in campaigns in the 1970s and 80s. Well, I mean, Ted Kennedy and the Harvard liberals. Uh, but like, you know, Mitt Romney, Ted Cruz, Crapo, That's Tom right. Cotton, they were all Harvard Law graduates. What are they going to say about this? Well, I guess they're never going to be on the court. Uh, Rick and Jeannie with us, the Friday edition of Sound On. Uh, we've got two rings already in the circus. We have the third today. It has been busy with some really big and important stories, and that's why we have this program here. The third is from the CDC, loosening guidelines for mask wearing as Omicron recedes. They're dialing back is the language we're using on the Bloomberg, dialing back the threshold for COVID masking rep recommendations. We heard about it today from the CDC's Rochelle Walensky. None of us know what the future may hold for us and for this virus. And we need to be prepared and we need to be ready for whatever comes next. We want to give people a break from things like mask wearing when our levels are low and then have the ability to reach for them again should things get worse in the future. Okay. Okay. So... The federal government's catching up with the states, Jeannie, but still reserving 
the right to bring back the mask man boy how do you put it back in the bottle very difficult to do. I don't want to put him back on again. And I think this is really welcome timing for the Biden administration as Joe Biden goes into his State of the Union on Tuesday. All polls showing that the American public is sick and tired of this. He wants to be able to say we are on the downturn on this. You could take off your masks indoors and we could start to live normal lives again or semi-normal lives again. Yeah. What do you think about this particular presentation, Rick? Don't you want to just be able to tell everybody that it's done? Yes. Uh, and in fact, most of the country has already decided that You're it's right. nice of the Even CDC DC to catch up with that. Even D.C. by next week will be there. Yeah. And I just hope like maybe President Biden will use this as an opportunity to like uh, uh, fit in a little bit. I mean, no question he's shown leadership. But like if he walks into that that house chamber for the State of the Union wearing a, with mask, a mask, I'll be yeah. disappointed. I, you know, I can't remember who I asked about that. Do you think he's going to do that, Jeannie? Does he have the mask on all the way to the rostrum or does he show up smiling Joe? and give everybody a big hug with no mask. I want him to show up as smiling Joe. I do remember you asking that, and I have to say today when they made the announcement about the Supreme Court, they were yeah. all wearing masks they against. Were. So it's they a were. bit depressing, and hopefully they can go in safely without masks with this big smile on his face and shake everybody's hand like yeah. we used to. Well, of course, the D.C. mandate, again, will be down by then, so he would have a reason to show up. Without a mask. It would be kind of funny if they made everybody in the chamber wear a mask so the president didn't have to. It's just you have, all, all have to wear a mask. All right. By the way, join me, Rick, and Jeannie, Tuesday night, 830, Bloomberg TV and radio, special coverage of the Super Bowl of politics, the State of the Union. Thanks for spending another sound on with us, the fastest hour in politics. I'll meet you back here Monday. On Balance of Power, and we'll do this again, too. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.